0: Hi, I'm Kelsey Zeiser. Welcome to What's This Story, a short podcast from light reading where we take a step back from the most significant topics in telecom to tell you the latest news, how we got here, what it all means and what to expect next. Today I'm talking with Ian Morris about his Leading Lights Awards categories and the finalists that he selected. We'll also talk about trends he noticed, anything surprising and what stood out among the entries. Uh, In addition, I'll go over my own categories, which included outstanding use cases for cybersecurity, SD-WAN, also looked at private wireless networks and light reading MVPs. Welcome to What's the Story, Ian? Thanks for joining me.
1: Hi, Kelsey. How are you doing?
0: Good. Uh, cool. So, what were some of the categories that you judged for the Leading Lights Awards?
1: Yeah, so I had, um, I guess, I guess, well, I wouldn't say the main one because they're all equally important, obviously. But uh, Company of the Year, pr- private company of the year, is always one that I think attracts quite a bit of interest because it's uh, very wide ranging. You know, you got companies from all different types of. Uh, Sector background in there. Um, and the same again this year, you know, we had some, you know, had an operator entering, had some AI software companies, had one company involved in Photonic. So kind of really broad spread, I think. Um, and you know, pretty strong entries on the whole. I'm um, a couple of interesting ones I thought I'd pick out for me, um, partly because they're companies I've sort of been writing about to some extent, but one one's Cohere Technologies. Um and they've been making um a bit of noise in the last couple of years in the sector uh they have a they basically have a sort of beam forming technology um which allows you to i mean they claim that it allows you to sort of double the spectrum value you've got through the through the boost it can deliver you're you're kind of sort of extending the 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 range i guess the reach of of your um you know of your of your network with it and i guess you extrapolate from that that you could th- theoretically make do with less equipment you know and save a lot of costs and you know it's it's a really interesting company because i know there's a lot of operators that have sort of been looking at it and trialing its technology and they've raised funding earlier in the year um they've been a bit quiet i think over the last few months but i kind of sense there's kind of big announcements coming up probably mobile world congress barcelona so we'll kind of have to see but that's kind of my prediction and then another one is a company called Salona, which is um Quite big in network slicing uh, in private five G, be quite well known to a US audience. Um, and the idea with what they're doing is to sort of ensure the technology works well with existing infrastructure. But they've got they've got some pretty big name partners, including Google and and Verizon, who are who are using their tech. And you know, slicing is just kind of quite a hot topic in the industry right now. I mean, I know some people are skeptical of how widely it'll get used and whether. You know whether it's needed at all but it's certainly a talking point and certainly one of the things that when you know when people talk about 5g and some of the advanced stuff then that's that's always there so yeah those those are two of the standout ones to me but there's quite a few others i think that were really kind of strong entries so yeah just have to see who does well
0: yeah that's that's really interesting and um i i also feel like network slicing that's on the probably on the 5g bingo card (laughs) oh you mentioned that interesting what what were some uh, other um some other trends or, or things that uh you know stood out to you in the entries
1: yeah so another another of my uh, categories was outstanding digital enablement vendor um and you know again quite a less less of a range obviously people are coming from a more of a sort of software background and um as you'd expect but i mean the interesting thing here is you get you get quite a lot of entries and companies big and small in the mix so You've got, you've got kind of, maybe not quite startups, but much smaller players taking on really big firms like Nokia and, and Netcracker and the names that we'd all come across at OSS and BSS events. And I guess it just shows how much disruption there, there is going on in that space. And there just seems to be quite a big opportunity for some of these companies to establish themselves. Um, and I wasn't going to talk about, I mean, I've mentioned two of the entries there, obviously Nokia and Netcracker are in the running, but one of the things, themes I think that's quite interesting in this market at the moment is this sort of desire to be seen as as um cloud native, you know, which is kind of comes up in a lot of the entries. And, you know, what does that mean? It's basically how well your products are designed to sort of, you know, kind of take advantage of the cloud and all its various scalable benefits. Um and I I mean it's an interesting term. It gets thrown out a lot. I think one of the challenges here is kind of balancing that, that desire to be cloud native with, you know, the interest that customers might have perhaps in being cloud, what we call cloud agnostic, you know, are able to fit into any particular cloud environment and not just sort of tied to one vendor, something I've been writing about quite a bit. And it seems, I'm not sure they're mutually compatible. You know, you talk to people and they say, you know, if you're really genuinely cloud native and you're well in there with um, AWS, let's say, or Microsoft Azure, and you're taking advantage of some of their special source, then it, it can be quite difficult to, to port that to another cloud environment, and if you've designed heavily for that environment, then you, you, you know it's not it's not necessarily given that you can just take the same technology and move it somewhere else. It might require some redesign. And I, I just kind of feel this is something we're going to hear a lot more about in the next in the next sort of year. But it, it was something that came up in a lot of the the entries that that, that, that I had.
0: Yeah, it seems like cloud native, that term is uh, similar to when people throw out AI and ML is are you are yeah. you really doing it or are you just kind of um
1: it's, you know jumping yeah. on board I mean, with, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with
0: Yeah like, with like what the what the <laughs> latest buzzword is. So
1: well, um, yeah. I mean that's buzzwords is what I felt. So my other category was kind of test and measurement vendor and and, and I mean that was full of buzzwords, it really was. And I think, you know, I mean, one thing I'd say is when you're judging these categories, it's nice to be able to sort of latch onto something that has some kind of concrete stuff in it about the benefits you've seen from using this technology and examples of customers that are in the mix and percentages, you know, figures for cost savings. All that stuff's really, really useful in terms of of not necessarily even from a judge's perspective in an awards process, but just When you sort of, you know, when you're trying to market your stuff and when you're trying to get the message out there, I think, because there's a lot of jargon that gets floated about. And, you know, to to people who aren't necessarily in the weeds, it's, you know, it's very hard to kind of decipher, I think, sometimes. Um, But there's, I mean, uh, you know, test and measurement, I think I have more to go through there um, and look at than. Than probably anything else. Um, quite a long short list of, of entries that we had, mm-hmm. uh, and again, a couple that I, I thought I'd mention in this in this one. There's um, an interesting entry by Exedian. it's a company that you know people know quite well in this space. It's working with um, Cisco and Zane in Q eight, um, and it has basically has a, a service that allows. Uh, Zane to provide service assurance to customers on a kind of as a service basis and they are drawing quite a good link between that and kind of higher revenues at Zane and lower costs and another another one came from VRV which is pretty well recognized in the industry and has deals with lots of telcos you know BT Openreach in the UK is one that you know has is, is been made public um, but they've also been notice, noting some of the kind of environmental benefits of the technology and you know, you know, drawing um, drawing a link to some of their own emissions. Actually, you know, I mean, you, you've got to you've got to kind of be able to show that you're doing a good job as well. I suppose if you're trying to trying to sell your your technology to to third parties, but they're saying their emissions are down about forty two percent since twenty fifteen. And you know, as I say, I think I think data points like that, you know, whatever whatever area they're in that that, that you know they, they can back up are quite useful, and it's better to have that. I think in some of these. Um, you know, some of these categories and then a lot of jargon that's...
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, there. Just, yeah, yeah there, there are some where they start with, it seems like a history of the industry and then yeah. just sort of very generic of we're doing a great job and it's a lot um, stronger entry when you can see, like you said, specific data points and, um, you know, percentages of how they, uh, say, improved uh, cost efficiency um, or... Uh, you know, maybe reduce the number of vendors that a customer had to work with. Like, it it's just it makes it a lot more tangible what they're doing and you can kind of yeah. wade through some of those buzzwords but yeah. that's interesting um so it sounds like there was a sustainability piece in that entry as well a
1: sustainability which... piece there. yeah yeah and yeah i mean to the jargon point exactly what you said i mean i just think because if, if they're, they're all using the same jargon yeah it's not like this specific jargon so you find yourself reading things and it can be just one it's like this it can be the same entry again and again so unless you've really got some specifics to pick out then it's um, it's difficult. It can be a difficult process. Um, yeah, definitely. But what, what, what about yours, Kelsey? So you, you had quite a few uh, categories, didn't you? That you were looking at this year. What were what were some of the main things that you uh, that you managed to pick out?
0: Yeah, so I had um outstanding use case for uh, service provider, cyber security, um outstanding use case for SD WAN, outstanding use case for private wireless networks, um, and then also the light reading MVPs. Um, so I'll start with the the cybersecurity what are
1: you one. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of use cases in, yeah. in the books.
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot of outstanding use cases, <laughs> which uh, maybe is, um, you know, in the past we'd always say innovative. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> yeah now it's use case. <laughs> um, but there was one with uh, BT and Toshiba. They were talking about the quantum secured metro network um, and uh, securing uh, networks between um, London and, is it pronounced sl- Slough? slow? Wow! Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, it's, I was way off. <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, it's one of those weird English place names that, like, the pronunciation has nothing to do with how it's spelled. Um, yeah. There's- yeah. Kind of like any Irish name. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, So that's um, securing um, the transmission of data between um, multiple um, physical locations over um, standard fiber optic links. So that was kind of interesting. They they um, launched that in April. Excuse me.
1: Yeah. Heard of that one before actually, the quantum one they made quite a big deal of it i remember early in the year and i think they even had a sort of press uh demo of it but um yeah it does sound quite a does sound quite a breakthrough thing that they're that they're talking about there something something they can kind of pin their name on from an r&d perspective
0: yeah it sounded like um there were a lot of different um <laughs> potential future use cases uh for you know government for for different um uh you know metropolitan areas so um, yep. you know, sounded like a, um, a, a really good starting point for them there. Um, there was also Kujo Kujo AI and Comcast were talking about, um, a mobile app to, um, secure the home network. Um, you know, I think that one seemed important with like so many people working from home, um, and, you know, having security, um, on the home network when you're accessing enterprise applications. Um, it's is something that's come up a lot lately just with um, people working from home and in the office.
1: Um, yeah, totally. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's also SK Telecom. They were talking about 5G smartphone security. Um, Comcast Business was uh, talking about working with a customer on uh, reducing just the number of um, security vendors that they had to use and also some cost savings that they were able to um, secure for the customer as well. So, that was something I saw in a couple entries was uh, reducing down the number of cybersecurity um, vendors that customers had to use, which was kind of interesting because, you know, so I feel like sometimes the industry touts um, interoperability a lot between different vendors, but some of these entries were about simplifying things. So it's kind of interesting. I
1: know yeah it is it and and this gets back to the point that um I mean he wouldn't mind me saying it because he said it on the record but Neil McCrae at BT I mean he's 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 sort of leaving the company in a few months has been publicized but he's often on about that this push to have supply diversity and people talking about open ran and lots of other lots of players in the mix and yet you you actually take costs out usually by going to a small number of vendors so you know it's interesting that we've got a uh, an award where someone's talking about doing that you know um, in a, in a real world setting.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was just interesting cuz it was kind of a different viewpoint from the um the interoperability piece. Um yeah, yeah. But it it makes sense. I mean, I imagine as a customer you have that paralysis by analysis of uh, so many different vendors. Who do you go with and then having a managed service provider come in and help kind of redirect your focus. Um I imagine it, it is super helpful. Um, yeah. yeah. So, exactly. and then uh, with SD-WAN, um, VMware had kind of an interesting use case where they worked with a police force, and they were talking about using SD-WAN to connect body cameras, um, and it was, uh, you know, that the police wear when they're um, on duty to record their interactions um, with, I guess, perps, know. <laughs> suspects and and things like that. Uh, And uh, that was done during the pandemic. And that was kind of um, a trend I saw across the SD-WAN use cases was that a lot of these were um, during the pandemic and they were trying to help their customers um, just be a little bit more efficient. I I think a lot of uh, enterprises are kind of rethinking their... Uh, use of the cloud during the pandemic and moving forward with some of those, uh, their cloud strategies, I suppose, um, yep. realizing that they've got to balance people working from home and in the office. Um, and then there was also, you know, GTT, Mettel, Hughes and Fortinet. Um, Hughes was talking about um, pharmacy customer um, and moving away from some of their legacy systems and also being able to connect a lot of um, a lot of different stores. I, th- I think it was like 175 maybe. Um, and then Fortinet also was talking about that transition away from old technology and being able to um, reduce outages that the customer had and, and improve um, some cost points as well.
1: Yep. Yeah, like you say, I think the pandemic has made like a, a huge difference to some of these use cases um, in terms of, of of take up. And you know, you look at you look at some of the some of the trends with just the, the big public clouds, you know, and what they've been reporting kind of sales wise over the last couple of years. How much that's kind of taken off is obviously going to be a knock on effect, on other players kind of pitching, you know, cloud technologies and related things. So, um, but it's nice to it's nice to hear actual examples of it happening rather than just uh looking at looking at numbers and and how much they're going up
0: right for sure um and then also had the light reading uh mvps and that was for people that are um you know just really stand out in their field and uh the the kind of people that were like how do they have enough hours in the day (laughs) to do all the things that they do um Uh, so uh, some of those on the shortlist were um, Gary Bolton with the Fiber Broadband Association, John Baker with Mavoneer. um There was Worldwide Technology, GMA Wireless, and um, Radisys were also um, in the shortlist. And I think the things that stood out there to me were the folks that were um, working with government officials to make sure that uh, kind of bridge the gap between those who are applying for federal funding for, uh, for fiber infrastructure, I guess make their voices heard with the, the Biden administration, for example. And also, you know, Gary was, uh, they were talking about providing a playbook for um, folks to better understand how to utilize that federal funding um, yeah. for the broadband <laughs> infrastructure. And um, there were some other entries. Uh, A lot of these people are in working groups. Um, Ganesh was on a number of 5G and Open RAN working groups and also uh, working on some of the code for Open RAN. Um, There was another entry. Where uh, this person, I think, I think they'd gone to Uganda to help install fixed wireless access and and apply some of the new technologies um, in some underserved areas. So uh, yeah. yeah, I definitely. After reading some of those, felt like I need to like sign up for an industry group <laughs> or something, and like I don't know, go volunteer with my community a little bit more. <laughs>
1: This can be either a, a kind of an individual or a, or a company or a kind of organization in, in that sort of MVP category. Is that right? Um, they um, were
0: all individuals, uh, yeah, yeah. but, yeah, in the entries, they would talk about what they were doing um, within their organization, but also how they were kind of creating links um, within the industry by working in those working groups and, and industry forums.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, there's a few, a few names I recognize there, so it doesn't doesn't surprise me they they come up there. They're yeah. Yeah, pretty busy people. There were
0: I will say there were a few that did not make the shortlist because they pretty much just provided a link to this person's LinkedIn and said that they were like a team player and had been with the organization for a long time and I think I think they yeah. missed the um uh, I guess the heart of (laughs) what an MVP is. I mean, not to say these people aren't like working very hard, but um, I was like, well, you know, what are you actually doing to move the industry in a different direction? And, you know, are you volunteering anywhere at least?
1: (laughs) And I think some of that's just taking care over the, the entry as well, isn't it? You know, like I was saying with the avoiding jargon in, in some of the, you know, the the techie stuff, it's, you know, writing an e- writing an entry does take a bit of effort. I think to do it well, and that is, after all, what it's being judged on at the end of the day. I mean, we can look at how good the companies are and what their reputation is, and all that kind of stuff. But, but basically, you're you know, you're you're basing an assessment on on what's in front of you in that in that form. So yeah, yeah.
0: you can definitely yeah. tell the entries where they probably had a couple conference calls about it and gathered as much information as they could and wrote succinct data points and then there's others that were like it's three PM and this is do at five and <laughs> we gotta
1: send something oh, I, I that too. Yeah. And and I think all the ones that are on the, 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 the as I say, the long short lists kind of deserve to be there. But you can pick out the ones where there's that bit of extra effort's gone into you know to sort of getting getting some unique information across and not just you know not just not just boilerplate text or, right. or yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, We can can tell when you've made an effort (laughs) and we appreciate
1: it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, thanks, Ian. Um, Thanks for going over this with me. It was really interesting.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Kelsey.
0: Thank you so much, Ian, for taking the time to talk today. And thank you as well to our wonderful producer, Pierre Landrio for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more interviews and insights from the team. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.